the experience gained by verification of truth through what seems like a contiguous error throughout our lives has a way of correcting one's path and illuminating one's financial foundational and financial principles. Best ever listeners, where are you going to be on February 22nd and 23rd? I am visualizing that you're going to be in Denver, Colorado, because that's where the best ever conference is. And that's when it is February 22nd, 23rd, go to besteverconference.com and even put in take five. So you get 5% off your ticket. So that is T-A-K-E and the number five whenever you purchase your ticket. And buy now because ticket prices go up weekly. So go to besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference, the agenda, the speakers. We've got an incredible speaker list focused on commercial real estate. So that includes five plus units if you're in multifamily. And you're going to get a lot of value from this conference. Go to besteverconference.com. It's the third time we've done it. It improves every year and we have raving reviews. I'm not just saying it. Ask people who have attended every year. Besteverconference.com. Enter TAKE5, T-A-K-E-5, when you purchase your ticket and get an extra 5% off. Ticket price is going up weekly, so get it today. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hi, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm your host for today, Theo Hicks, as Joe is traveling to Texas right now to look at some apartment deals. Today, I'm speaking with a return guest, Aaron Chapman. Aaron, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Theo. What's happening with you, brother? I'm doing great. Cannot complain. Although, I'm in Florida and... Today is pretty cold. I can see my breath outside, so it's, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I like it when that's happening, especially after I brush my teeth. Then I know for a fact it's the weather and not me. <laughs> there you go. So today is Sunday, so it is a skill set Sunday. So we're going to talk about a specific skill that can help you with your real estate business. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation today because we're going to be talking about legacy. It's a very common thing that I've heard, at least, is that the father makes the, makes the business, the son maintains the business, and the grandson loses the business. And yep. obviously the dad set out to set a legacy for his family, but in the end, in doing so, he kind of ruined his family because the business was lost within two generations. So in this podcast, we're going to be talking about how to properly leave a legacy for your children and actually set them up for success and that is going to be the discussion today. So before we get into that, a little bit more about Aaron's background. He's a 21-year veteran of real estate investment finance. He is ranked in the top 1% of his industry and number 12 out of tens of thousands of others nationally for transactions closed. He is based in Mesa, Arizona. As I mentioned, he's a return guest. So check out his first episode, which is episode 1537, Grow a Huge Real Estate Business by Helping Others Get What They Want. To say hi to him, you can go to AaronBChapman.com. So before we get into the meat of the conversation, can you tell us a little bit about what you've been focused on since your last interview? 
Well, of course, my focus is the business structure on the day-to-day basis is helping individuals to accomplish what they want to in their real estate business. There's those who are just getting into it. They've been reading things online. They've been listening to Joe's podcast and trying to figure out how do I go about this? I love that education piece. That's what keeps me doing what I do is having that conversation with people to help them start structuring not just their business, but their mind, get their mind wrapped around the fact that they're the CEO of a startup real estate investment business. And that there is a way to take that mindset and turn it into a monetary value and then understand the multifaceted, I guess, revenue generated by real estate. And it's not just about cash on cash return. It's not just about cap rates. There's so much more there. It's really an infinite return when they get their head wrapped around it and they realize that I want to be part of their team. I'm looking to be like the virtual CFO of their business, help them to look at things from different angles to build that business properly. So that's my biggest focus is to keep myself out there to an extent that I'm working with more and more and more investors. And we're blessed to have a a business that generates 700 units a year in actual closed business. That's what puts me at that ranking, rank number 12 in units closed in my entire industry of all the people that are in it, tens of thousands of licensed loan originators. But the one thing that has really been getting my attention a lot lately is the fact that I hear a lot of people getting involved in this business wanting to develop their real estate business because they want not only to retire themselves, they want to create that vehicle that will help them to leave their daily job, but they want to leave a legacy for their family. So they want to leave a legacy for their kids. And the end result I hear people doing is kind of like what we, we talked about earlier in the introduction. Man creates a business brings his son up in it because he watches his dad do all that. And then by the time the grandson gets it, it gets destroyed. We see that happen in history with, with kingdoms, pharaohs, kings, you name it. You can look backwards into history where somewhere within a matter of one to two generations, what was created was actually a very solid and a big foundation with depth got obliterated by one being squandering what was available to them because they never earned it. They grew up in it and always had what the benefits of life, all the benefits of life, and they didn't realize what it took to keep it, and they definitely didn't know what it took to earn it. So with all those ideas that were tossed at me, and I find myself traveling a lot. I'm in the air at least two to three times a month. I got a letter from American Airlines, who I fly mostly, that says that there's almost like a congratulatory letter saying that I had traveled enough miles to circle the globe three times over a calendar year. It was 2017. And it was really alarming to me. I spent that much time in the air, but it was all with the continental U.S. I took that time to really spitball, how do I do the same? Leave a legacy. Because all the ideas I'd heard before of what legacy might be left very, very big holes in my mind. And my personal belief is that the greatest legacy is not to leave wealth and net worth, but to leave wealth and knowledge and experience. I quote a lot to people, good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from bad judgment. So the experience gained by verification of truth through what seems like a contiguous error throughout our lives has a way of correcting one's path and illuminating one's financial, foundational and financial principles. And what I figured was the most way I could secure and ensure these principles are known and endure is not to just tell my kids and my family, but to live them and put each member of my family in a central role in the daily execution of that whole thought process. So what I did is I developed a trust, just a normal trust. And I'm still going through all the legals on it with my attorney to ensure we button up all the details of it. But the generalities is this, taking all my assets, go in the trust. And then we use the infinite banking philosophy to fuel this. 
have you guys probably have had people on the show for that, correct? Is that with the life insurance? Correct. Yeah. I know I've heard that. But then again, you listen to so many shows, you're like, okay, who is which anymore, <laughs> right? Because we listen to so much going on out there. But I have a very, very close friend who also actually introduced me to yourselves and kind of made it possible for me to get on the first show. His name's Gary, who does this life insurance, and he does it for me and my family. So what we did is we created six policies, one for me, one for my wife, and one for each of my children. And what it dominoed into was... We're using my policy. I could pull a large sum out of it to fund my investments. And I wanted it to just not be my decision because eventually these investments are to be taken over by the legacy, right? By the children. So rather than me just deciding what I should be purchasing, I had my children get involved in the last three purchases we did. They had to look at the pro formas. We had to do a Zoom call with whoever was presenting on it, whoever was making this potential option available. And they had to answer questions with my kids. And it was a really cool opportunity for both sides. One, for my children to ask those questions and understand the process a little bit more and not just get it from dad. And then two, from the person providing the potential investment to be able to refine their presentation at a level that would be understandable to somebody as young as 12 years old. So my children ranged from 12 to 21. And then what was also very cool was to see the lights turn on in each of their minds as they start seeing what was possible. And then the final benefit is I could tell the person who is going to be talking to my kids that to remember there's a special place in hell for anybody who lies to kids. So we've got that as another protective piece. But how that evolved from that was just not just their involvement in understanding the acquisition of the investments and where to put our money to, but also them coming to the knowledge that the requirement for their involvement in this trust, they're not just going to be handed a bunch of money or properties or wealth or my death benefit from those life insurance policies when I pass. They have to become qualified beneficiaries of our trust. And how I've done that is their life insurance policies were purchased by me and put into the trust. And they have a certain requirement as far as the amount of money that has to be put back into them every month. And that will actually every year, they have to set it aside every month. What it, it really comes is $5,000 a year per child. Well, that 5000 equals out to about between four and sixteen and $417 a month that they would have to save. The requirement is, is they have to set aside that amount, 5000 a year or 10% of their income, whichever is greater. That is what makes them a qualified beneficiary, and that has to be done for the rest of their life. And when my kids heard that, it was kind of a shock to them because when you think about that, 416 to $417 a month is a lot of money for anybody. Not so much kids just now starting jobs and starting life. You can look at the majority of the population. If they said, you got to save $417 a month, that can be difficult for many people. But they had to look at their expenses and their income and decide that it was worth it. And one of my children, my 17-year-old, asked me, why can't I just save that for myself and just put it in my own bank account and not be involved? I'm like, well, let's take a look at that. We actually had Gary on a Zoom call, my insurance guy, who did this whole introduction with us. He was there to witness this conversation. and. We did the numbers and that 416 and change actually ended up being somewhere in the range of about $105,000 over a 21-year window. We used 21 years because that's when I could potentially retire according to the trust. The way the trust is written is at 65. So 21 years from now, they will have saved 105000 in the principal part of it. Any interest that they generate, of course, through any bank accounts is going to be very minimal, as we know. And then you throw in inflation. I started talking with them about the inflation and where the dollar's value will be 21 years from now. And every year till then, 
even if it maintains just the 2% that the government claims it is, which we all know it's higher than that, they have lost money by leaving it in that bank account because there's no bank account outpacing inflation. Well, then we turned it to Gary and said, Gary, can you take a look at them doing $5,000 a year into this policy and what that compound effect will be with that interest growing the cash value of that and tell me what that'll look like 21 years from now. He went and he scrolled down and it was over $600,000 per policy just for those $5,000 policies. That was a very big aha moment for the kids when they realized it's a stretch. It will be tough to set aside $417, $416 a month, whatever that exact number is. But then they realized what the power is behind that was just a game changer for them. So I had them say, add that all up. It was over $2.4 million that they would have in cash value between just those four children. I said, so that's just your policies. Now I'm setting aside tens of thousands of dollars every year. So is your mom. So can you imagine what those cash values will be? And then we're also looking at buying multiple different investments every year with these family meetings, as far as real estate investments is concerned, lending investments are concerned, and other types of things, possibly buying notes or whatever else. Can you imagine what that will do? And then you've got the generation below us required to bring in $5,000 a year or 10% of their income or whichever is greater to continue to build this up. So we as an entire family are working together for one central goal. Nobody ever gets to touch the principal though. I don't know how the legals work on all that. My attorney's still working on that, but the principal always stays intact. When the time to retire comes, they'll only have access to interest that is created, provided they have participated in not only the monetary building of it, the 5,000 per year or 10%, whichever is greater. And we have to have a monthly meeting to reconcile that. And we're already doing those, but then they also have to be part of the board who votes. And then once it gets bigger, a couple of generations in, they're going to have to probably designate somebody to vote as a proxy, as a board member, because the board can only have so many people become just a madhouse. So there's going to be a heavy structure for this. And my belief is if we can start that process now with everybody I work with, and my goal is to have this built, have it arranged, have it created with all the legal necessity, it will be a bloodline dynasty style trust to keep it within the bloodline. And if I can get everybody I work with to do this, can you imagine what the world's landscape will look like for generations to come when right now we have nothing but fear of what the next generation will bring because they're not being taught anything but theory. There's no real practical application of any subject that I'm seeing in the schools today. But if we can employ this, and I work with thousands of investors, my goal is to take it to all of them and say, here you go. Just talk to my attorney, let him scratch out the name, put yours in and pay him whatever that little fee is. And let's just move forward. Let's change the world's landscape financially. That's a wonderful strategy. And you went into extreme detail on exactly what one needs to do to get started with numbers and everything. A couple of follow-up questions. You mentioned family meetings. So is that something that you do like on a weekly basis? At least once a month. Now, when we've got four kids, one's a sixth grade, one's a senior in high school and two are working one lives outside the home. It makes it tough to get everybody on the same page. You can't always get all parties there at once. So we try and have at least once a month. It's either a Sunday or Monday because that's the days my son is off work. He works for FedEx loading airplanes, which I'm just damn proud of him. He's doing very, very well. And we're able to get us all together. I'm trying to schedule calls ahead of time with people that have investment opportunities out there so they can interview them as we meet about the goals coming forward for the next month and where we sit today as our current structure. I'm also working that out as part of the package to be handed out is here's how the meeting structure will be. And we're figuring that out right now. 
Right now, just if we get together, that's a good thing. But we get to talking about what we want to have happen. And then we're going to reconcile the income that we have, or reconcile the assets we have now, what are the expenses, and we're going to treat it like a full-on business. And all my income right now is really what's fueling that business because I need to fuel it as much as I possibly can because I'm the one retiring first. And I was planning on doing that anyway. And I was planning on creating that for myself anyway. So by 65, I could question whether or not I wanted to really hang up my headset and not be involved in this anymore. But what I found is I don't see me quitting doing what I do. I just keep evolving this into being further and further hands off on the nuts and bolts of my day to day, but more on the creation of the mindset for those who I work with. And that's what gets me excited about what I do and gets me to the office every single day is the lives that we're changing every time I get on the phone. So the way I figure, I don't know if I'm retired. I figure if I'm coming to the grave, I'm coming in hot and I'm going to work all the way through, but I'm going to use the majority of my income to keep fueling the future. So when I do decide to stop, I will have an enormous amount that will continue to create, I guess, the daily living expenses to be handled and then whatever it is I want to do. And I don't ever look to take more than half of whatever the interest is generated by the trust. So that's what I want to be able to live off of and live very, very comfortably off of half. So when my children reach that same age, they can only take half of whatever is being generated at their time. So the other is left there to keep building it. And they have to be able to divide that equally amongst them. So only each get an eighth or whatever the interest is. And then, of course, when they pass and when I pass, our death benefit's going to come and fuel even more. Put a big chunk in there to compensate for that half of interest that did not grow because we were living off of that. We don't just want to take it out to take it out. If I don't need half interest, I leave it in there. Keep growing it. So why take the money if I don't need it, right? Exactly. What age do you think people should start doing this? Not for them, but for their kids. I don't think there's a reason that they shouldn't start now. It's probably something you have to talk to your life insurance specialist. I was recommending Gary Pinkerton over there at Paradigm for people to talk to him because he's just very, very, very intelligent man. He cares a lot, but he would be able to possibly help in that answer too. But the earliest you could put life insurance on somebody, I'm thinking if I knew about this before, I would put $1,000 on each of them when they were born, if I could. Well, if I've been paying on that, now that my son's 21, can you imagine what would be there right now in a cash value? Because $1,000 does not require a lot of upkeep. A $1,000 policy that you first purchase, and with these infinite banking type policies, probably 900 would have been available to use at that time. So I never lost anything. You just have to pay the premiums every year, which is probably pennies compared to what I'm paying now. And it would have made all the difference in the world. So I would say anybody who's potentially thinking whatsoever about legacy, look at this. Because the money's still available to you because of the cash value investigate it, understand it. I'm not a life insurance salesman. I don't know enough about it to say what it will do. I just am going from the perspective of this is what I'm doing and this is why I'm excited. I'm literally spitting in the phone when I'm telling people about (laughs) how excited I get about it and the potential for the future. In fact, it was one of the most awesome things I had this week. I got up early one morning, was working out. I got a text from Gary at like 5.30 in the morning and he's over on the East Coast. And he said something, and I don't have my phone in front of me because I put it away when I'm on these podcasts, but he said something the fact of, I wish we all could have somebody so young asking such intelligent questions. You should be very proud. And as I looked up, he shot me a screenshot of his phone where we had had a family meeting the night before, and we were talking about how to manage multiple properties. And I had mentioned how Gary has quite a few. And there was another client that my daughter brought up that also has a quite a few. He's a friend of the family. 
And I said, well, you guys should reach out to them. Talk to them. We'll set up a meeting where you can talk to them and ask them about their structure and how they go about managing this. We have a better idea. We're not having to reinvent the wheel. Just take the best from others. And literally my 12-year-old, Maggie, texted Gary right there saying, sorry, it's late, but I have some questions for you and hammered all the questions out to him. (laughs) And one, I thought it was just absolutely awesome that she felt confident enough in Gary to ask that question, a 12-year-old for crap's sake. And then for Gary to be gracious enough to answer her questions and then to forward on to me what had occurred there. Dude, literally, it brought a tear to my eye that my children are thinking that way even at 12 years old. And what she asked was extremely intelligent. And I was stoked. It tells me that there is a good solid chance my legacy will not only be secure, but will endure. Exactly. And the key to this strategy is the people aspect and making sure that your training's not the right word, but maybe it is your siblings and your, I guess, your significant other to think in the long term, because it definitely is a long term strategy, which is probably why most people are hesitant of doing it. Because you're not going to see that, as you mentioned, when you're giving examples, you're not going to see that massive increase in value for decades. But it's thinking about more than just yourself, thinking about your children, your grandchildren, their grandchildren, and setting them up for success, but also making sure they actually have to earn it rather than just giving it away to them, which is kind of the key to this entire strategy. Exactly. And one of the things about it that makes it easier to endure the long haul that this is, this is definitely a marathon approach, is the monthly meetings or bi-week, whatever time frame you set that up, is to go back and review where you're at today. One, it's a solid bond builder with your kids. People talk about the time with their children, whether it's out playing catch or whatever. I get all that. You definitely want that. But talk about an awesome relationship is to let your kids into your financial mind is a big deal. And I open up the books. They look at all of it. They get to see what I make. They get to see what's going on. And then what <laughs> the really interesting thing about cracking open the books of what my income is was my kids are like, well, why do we live in this house? Or we have like a little mansion or something like that. And I started cracking up. I because like, I'm not going to pay that kind of money if you guys to break everything in that house. You guys are going to break everything here. I'll move into the mansion later. So it's kind of interesting, the dynamic that comes when you start cracking open those books. Mm-hmm. But then it also makes them conscious about the saving aspect of it because they get to look at the future. When you have a person like Gary there to illustrate what that future looks like, we can spitball that future together. Your spending habits become better. If you decide whether or not, huh, do we really want to go to dinner tonight as a family? Or do we want to eat in? Do you want to look at our portfolio and talk about that? Now, it's not sexy, of course. You definitely want to set aside and budget going out and spending that time together as a family going to Disneyland, but it's not so impulsive anymore. It changes the impulsiveness because humans are really subject to several things. We're subject to impulse because we'll just do crazy things on a whim. Mm. We're also subject to habit. And it was written by Og Mandino that you need to create good habits and become their slave. This is one of those good habits. It's not only going to really secure the impulse part of you, that human nature, and press that and suppress that more because you have this kind of habit, but now you have created the habit and you do become a slave to good habits because you're going to have a habit of some sort. You might as well make it a healthy habit, whether it's be working out and also a good financial habits. And you create those with your children too. And now that also helps you to set those goals and stretch because it's easier to stretch on a goal when you've got multiple people pulling for the same goal. It dominoes and other things. And what am I reading? Why am I reading that? And have my children read the same thing so we're all speaking on the same plane, have a very similar language when it comes to these things. So it's multifaceted. It's not just about the trust. It's not just about the future. It also helps relationships. It sets good habits. And it puts us in a bond that really is 
different than any other opportunity you're ever going to have with your children as far as bond building, because this will endure forever. It's not going to be, well, you know, remember those days, dad, we used to have time to go play basketball together. It's not like that. That's, this is going to go away. This is going to be an enduring meeting that we're going to have throughout our entire lives monthly with technology being what it is. We're going to have the meeting. If I'm, if we're on different sides of the earth, we can have the meeting together. So it's a beautiful thing. Well, Aaron, this is an amazing skill set Sunday. This is a great skill that literally anyone can apply to their lives, even if they really don't have a family and they don't plan on having a family, they can still apply this with themselves or see other themselves and their friends. Although it sounds like it's best applied to the family just to kind of summarize what we went over. It was definitely a lot. So re-listen to this podcast and apply these lessons. Essentially what you're doing is you're setting up a trust. All of your assets go into this trust and you are using the infinite banking life insurance to kind of fuel this trust. So you've got six policies well, one policy for each of your family members, which you use to actually fund your investments. But the key here is that your kids have to actually be qualified to earn that money. And right now that qualification is $5,000 a year or 10% of their income, whichever is higher. And that's for the rest of their lives. Even when they get to the point where they can access those funds, they're only touching the interest while that principle remains to continue to grow that legacy. We talked about the family meetings that occur once a month and multiple benefits of that. The biggest one, at least for me, was that bond you get with your family that you can't really get any other ways. Plus, I'm sure it's, it's nice to have super smart kids that are asking really smart questions. And you mentioned Daily's meetings. It's kind of a, an ongoing, you're updating it and changing it, but it sounds like you just kind of talk about what's currently going on financially for everyone. And it's an opportunity for your kids to learn and grow. Yeah, you pretty much cap the whole thing. Now, there's other little strategies we're using within it. So that is the big, huge overview. The ability to take those funds and ensure you're putting it somewhere and ensure that you've got the next purchase coming up and where to borrow it. We're still learning all those things. We found a pretty good system on that that I would love to share with folks when we get the opportunity to have those one-on-one conversations. The other part of this is you don't have to think of this. You don't have to figure this out. I'm doing it now. It's like I just said before, the good judgment comes from experience. The experience comes from bad judgment. I am exercising the judgment. Albeit, I pray that it's all good judgment, but I'm sure we're going to step on something. I'm sure we're going to make a mistake, and we're going to learn from it. And I'm going to use that as a way to help build this out so people have an outline, a format to start doing this for themselves. You don't have to reinvent this wheel. Let me get the wheel done. Let me get it built. Now, I'm paying my attorneys and others to get this all completely done to where I can hand this off to folks when I'm working with them and help them build that business with their investment business and their legacy all together. Because I'm very, very concerned about the future generations coming up. And I want my children to be secure and I want everybody else to be secure. There's no reason why we shouldn't be. I really think what it boils down to is the majority of people have don't have enough faith in themselves and their capability. But once we've built the framework, and that you can literally start with baby steps and see how that future is going to be. I think that it can be just a little bit more faith in what the future is going to be than what they have right now. Exactly. So again, appreciate you coming on the show. Very informative and also very inspiring. Make sure you check out AaronBChapman.com to learn more about this strategy. Aaron, have a best ever day. and We'll talk to you soon. Much appreciated, Theo. Best ever listeners, best ever conference. That's where you want to be, February 22nd and 23rd in Denver, Colorado. Put in the code TAKE5, T-A-K-E, and the number 5 to get an extra 5% off. Ticket prices go up weekly, so buy it today, besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference 
at the website all about the speakers. You can read about them and what you will experience when you're there. Besteverconference.com. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show.